Attack the Rat, coming to you from Seattle, Washington, home of the Seattle Supersonics fan base. I'm Josh. Here we go. All right. Well, well, it's a little hard to track you down, Derek. You've been all over the all over the earth. I've been uh, I've been touring the United States lately. Uh, I did a. I, I would say the highlight of my tour was seeing the Phoenix Suns in action at home versus New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, how was that? Gotta say, the game, much different up close. I was a little disappointed Devin Booker um, couldn't get into the 30s that game, but uh, New Orleans put together a great game plan against them. Yeah, which is interesting. New Orleans doesn't usually play defense, so... They had a quick, they had a quick, uh, quick double team on them every time they touched the ball. It was a, it was a little strange to see that two weeks later in their matchup this last Thursday, the New Orleans didn't have the same game plan. Devin Booker went off on that game. He's had, a, he, he's had quite the season. I gotta say, Phoenix is. They started off as one of those dark horse teams this year. Uh, they've been struggling the the last couple of weeks, but I could see them contending for one of those final playoff spots in the Western Conference. Yeah, they've, they've held it together a little bit, but with uh, Rubio and Baines missing some time, uh, they were a big part anchoring the point guard and center positions, just that veteran leadership, that veteran play. Uh, that, that missing some time has really hurt them, especially with Aiton still out. Yeah. With Phoenix, who, they're sitting currently at the seventh seventh spot in the Western Conference. And a lot of people are forgetting that they get DeAndre Ayton back in four games. That's going to be a major, major impact to their team. It's easy. Is it, though? Would you rather – is he really going to help you win more games starting at center right now than Baines? I know the depth, so if Baines is out, that's huge. But He will – Ayton will be more physical than Baines. And he will be that defensive presence. Uh, Phoenix has had a lot of struggle off the boards this year, uh, giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. So I think Aiden will help with that stat. So we we should probably introduce you. This is Derek. Derek Severson uh, is joining us today. Uh, like I said, it's been tr- difficult tracking you down. I think you've been going. Uh, are you going to LA tomorrow? Is that right? Correct. Uh, going to see my Seattle Seahawks play Sunday Night Football versus those Rams. There we Russell go. Russell Wilson will be making, will be stamping his case for MVP in this game. And then you're just at Monday Night Football. Correct. So how how many Seahawks games have you got to so far? I got have a season ticket holder. I'll be going to all the home games, but I will say that this is my second road game. Okay. Road game this year. Uh, it's it's really been a treat seeing the CX, especially winning on the road. What, what was the other road game? You went to? I remember you were texting me. You sent me a picture. Two. What what game? Week yeah, two. I was in Pittsburgh. Week two. Pittsburgh. That's right. Yeah. You know, I gotta say, one of my uh, one of my earliest memories of you, Derek is when you used to come home over and hang out with my, my older brother. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but we're all, we're all in the car. You're driving. 
and we're stopped at like a red light. Do you remember this? <laughs> I don't. And before everyone like, got out of the car. Not that time. No, no. <laughs> stories we shall we share, but uh, there's uh, there was like two girls in the car next to us, and you're like making faces at them and doing all this stuff. And then I don't know if you got really embarrassed or what, but we're at a red light, and you just start driving straight through the red light. <laughs> but that's that's one of my that's one of my earliest memories of you, Derek. I'm just sitting in the back. I'm an easily distracted person. <laughs> Very easily distracted. Uh, I think that's one of the better qualities about me. <laughs> you had you had a good breakfast with your son this morning. Absolutely. What? What? Did, how old well, is he? Finn, he's a. Uh, I got Finn. He's working on some basketball drills over here. He's a uh, trying to show him a crossover or two. There we go. We'll, we'll have to throw to, down a few dunks in the house. We'll have to get him and James together. Uh, James turns four in April. So Say that one more time. Uh, we'll have to get him and James together. James turns four in April. I think we got a basketball team. Uh, since starting to get into basketball, he has been cheering for those Denver Nuggets. There we go. Uh, well, let, let's get fan, after it then. These Denver Nuggets, uh, your number one draft pick, do, 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 doing pretty good. Uh, I'll run through some of their fundamentals. 14 uh, wins, six losses so far. They're number one in points against, only giving up 102 points a game. Uh, it's kind of crazy that that's number one in the league now, but they're scored 107 points. So which is 22nd in the league, which gives them a five point differential. They're outscoring their opponents by five points a game, ninth in the league. Uh, it's interesting though. So they're essentially, they're outscoring people by five points a game, but they're getting like almost three and a half shots more than their opponents every game. I'm going to say Denver, at this point in the season has somewhat exceeded my expectations. I am waiting for Michael Porter to really take off. He's just coming back from injury. He's had that injury pass. He has all the talent in the world. And I think coming the second half of the season, you're going to see Denver really take a leap. I'm a little disappointed in what I've seen play from the Joker. Yeah. Uh, he had a he had a five or six game stretch where he didn't even break double digits in the scoring. In scoring, uh, there's a lot of speculation that something may be wrong. But you know what? Last night at Boston, putting up 30 plus, uh, he really kind of showed that he can brush any of those speculations off, put his game together. So I really think Denver is going to finish the Western Conference as a one or two seed in the playoffs, and they're going to really give the Lakers all they can get in the playoffs. The Lakers are going to be tough. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out where's Michael Porter going to get his minutes from. Well, so I'm looking. The Nuggets have have what I think is probably the deepest bench and the most talented bench. They're young. They can put in minutes. There is no me player. This is a well-rounded team. Um, Porter is going to transition in, so I think Denver is being very, 
very careful as to how they implement his gameplay is right now he's only seeing uh, 8.6 minutes per game right now through 12. I would imagine that by about the second half of the season, when we hit March, you'll see, be seeing about 20 minutes a game from Michael Porter. He's going to be a great asset off the bench. Yeah, and Hernan Gomez probably just falls out of the rotation, um, probably takes a little bit of Torrey Craig's minutes. But it, but it's tough because uh, unless you're going to go small, uh, Mason Plumlee, uh, but, I mean, those guys, I mean, between the two of them, uh, one's played 13 games, one plays 14 games, and they're at 13, 14 minutes a game each. So there's some minutes they can pick up there. But, like, Jeremy Grant's only playing 22 minutes a game. Millsap's only playing 26 minutes a game. So there's not a lot to give up there. Plumlee's at, like, 17. So unless they want to go small and just not really have a backup center, uh, put Grant at the backup center and do some stuff like that, uh, does Denver make a move? They got the pieces. I don't think Denver has to make a move. I think they can stand pat. One of the statistics you need to look at is minutes played. And seeing that Jamal Murray is leading the team right now with 32.8 minutes, this is a team, and this will this is going to be very crucial to a playoff run. Is a deep bench is mean means that players are going to be better rested. And I'm a believer in the Nuggets as a team that's going to have that endurance during that playoff run when they're getting their players. They're going to be great off of back to backs as we come down towards the season stretch. Is they have a solid 10 players that can put in minutes where they won't have to worry about sitting players like those uh, Los Angeles Clippers are doing right now. Yeah, those uh, those Clippers that just got blown out by the Bucks. Yeah, watch out for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, fear the deer. They are the real deal in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, they, they have – so much rim protection. I don't. I'm sorry, but any team that can put out elite rim protection at the center position for 48 minutes a game and have a top-notch shot blocker at the power forward position, their defense is just going to be really, really good. The Lakers and the Bucks are the two biggest examples of that right now. I would absolutely love to see a Denver-Milwaukee NBA Finals matchup. I don't think it would be best for NBA ratings if those two teams met. <laughs> Probably not. But matchup-wise, I think that a player like Nikola Djokic has not had as much exposure around the country. Uh, I think this could really put him into the spotlight. Just like last year with Giannis really going, taking his game to the next level with Milwaukee. I think really a lot of people don't know the Joker, and he he would be considered one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Yeah, he he's yeah. It's I I I'm I'm still trying to figure out exactly um, how I feel about the Nuggets and their actual ceiling. Uh, I think they have a lot of really nice pieces, but uh, Jokic is like their guy that has to make it all work. He has to be playing at a top notch level. He has to be passing like crazy, and they have to somehow somehow they do have a pretty 
pretty good defense. I mean, they have they're number three in the league as far as the effective field goal percentage against them. So just field goal percentage adjusted for threes. But between that and then getting more shots than people, that's how they're winning games. Uh, Their offense, they're 25th in the league in their effective field goal percentage. Um, and they're 29th in the league to getting at getting to the free throw line. So that's where I'm like, well, offensively, are they, when things tighten up a little bit in the playoffs, how, how are they going to perform at a high enough level to beat some of these teams? Because Murray, I'm not so convinced Murray's like your number one scorer um, on a really good playoff team. Jamal Murray definitely has the talent. There has been issues. He has, he's been, since the start of the season, he's been nursing, nursing sort of a uh, issue with his right elbow. I think he's not fully 100% yet. They're kind of easing him in. Uh, I love a player like Will Barton. Will Barton is really kind of a, yeah. a, what I consider the glue to that starting lineup. Is he so key? He uh, is a great defensive presence. He can almost do it all. I mean, averaging six six plus rebounds, three assists a game in the starting minute is he's a great role player and just so valuable to the starting lineup. Yeah, no, I I agree. Real real nice player. He's one of those guys that you pretty much plug in on any team. And he's gonna make him a little bit better. Absolutely. So I would say I I really want to see. I really feel that Denver's going to be when we come into the season. Denver's going to be competing with the Lakers for that top seed in the Western Conference, and knowing that Denver is such it has such that home court advantage. Uh, being in Mile High City is that is a great home court advantage to come with the playoffs. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's a bigger home court advantage in the regular season than the playoffs because in the playoffs, a lot of times you get a little bit longer to get travel and get there and adjust to the air and some of those things. Uh, Very I, can true. Imagine, I can imagine going to a back-to-back and traveling to Denver on the second night of a back-to-back and I land and I'm playing like 16 hours later or whatever it is, uh, That's or 12 hours later. Uh, That'd be a little bit rough. Uh, they're they're a really good rebounding team. So they're number four in the league in offensive rebounds, eleven a game, and they're uh, number six as far as what they're giving up. So they're getting a couple extra shots just from their offensive rebounds every game, which keeps them in it. It was interesting actually last year. Denver and OKC were the number two, were the top two teams as far as getting more shots than their opponents. Um, I think it's interesting in football. They talk about this all the time, like the turnover differential, right? How many more possessions essentially uh, are you getting? And you hear coaches kind of talk about it too, as far as the shots, uh, who's getting more and everything. Um, But for whatever reason, how a lot of people look at the offense and the defense, they just lump it all together and just look at an offensive rating and defensive rating. And so uh, that, that differential in the number of shots they get gets kind of split between the two, depending on what happened. Uh, But I think that's a really important piece to look at with them is they have a good defense and they're getting more shots. So if they can figure out how to get their offense to click a little bit, um, they're 25th. I said that earlier, but they're 25th in the league in effective field goal percentage. And I don't think that's what uh, I would kind of expect when you look up and down this roster, there's a lot of capable offensive players and then, in theory, Jokic should be the hub 
with his passing and dominating uh, offensively uh, with Murray kind of as like the, the, the Robin to his Batman, but it just offensively, that's my big question mark with them. If they can figure that out, they're, they're definitely going to be at the top of the league. And that's where Michael Porter is going to come in, Josh. Michael Porter is going to be the X factor for this Nuggets team. And they got a steal being able to draft him in the teams of last year's draft. He is going to be that player that can create his own shot when it counts. Is when talk about role players is Denver may be struggling a little bit offensively, but he is going to be that impact factor. Uh, surging forward is you're gonna. Re- I really feel that you're gonna see Porter's minutes increase and be a strong asset to the Nuggets moving forward. Gotcha. Anything else on the Nuggets? I gotta say that I don't know what they showed last weekend at home against the Lakers. I was really hoping that the that this the Nuggets would put in a little bit more of effort. I'm still very optimistic on this team is they're young, they're deep, they're hungry. Okay. And they, I believe they have the most balance on their team. Teams that have that balance are going to go far in the playoffs. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, how everything plays out. The West definitely isn't as strong as people thought coming into the year. There's boiled down to really now just looking like a handful of teams, uh, that you really got to worry about. And the interesting part is there's a lot more size that feels like in the teams, uh, that you really need to worry about. And I think that's going to play, be a disservice to the Clippers this year, uh, versus if they have that same team in other years, uh, but the Nuggets can go actually pretty big, um, and that's why they're as good as they are rebounding. Um, and you just start going down through. You're going to have to be dealing with Gobert and even some of these other these other guys with some size. Um, so it's definitely going to be some entertaining entertaining playoff basketball. So, um, And then, right, right – hey, Derek, you got an iPhone, right? I do. All right. So – you, something that's really important you want to make sure you go find that purple that purple app right there on that on your desktop the podcast player okay. and then you, you search for attack the rack and then you see a little logo that looks like a five-year-old made it <laughs> you want to click uh, on i'm that. not on it right now oh well, make sure to get on it, and then what you'll do is you'll go and you got to you got to make sure you give it a five star rating. That's super important. Five star rating. You can write a review and say wonderful things about me. You don't even have to be honest. And then uh, <laughs> after you do that, make sure to subscribe. But then we got the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz. They are currently twelve and ten. Not not as not as good as people thought uh, coming into the year. They're, they have a they've been outscored so far on the year by point two points per game, but listen to this. I gotta Derek. say, Josh, I gotta say, Utah has disappointed me more than when I went and saw the new Rambo movie. <laughs> I'm not saying a lot. Is Utah has been disappointing this year? Mike Conley has got to be. 
the most disappointing offseason acquisition this year. I had high hopes on Utah when they made that summer move, and they have fully shit the bed this start of the season. Yeah, that's I don't I don't know any other way to say it. Uh, Codney's been interesting one thirty seven percent from the twelve field and ten. Right They're yeah. twelve and ten, Josh, and. <laughs> They made some great off-season moves with Conley and Bogdanovich, and they didn't lose much off their team. And I don't know what Quinn Snyder's doing. Is I don't know what's going on internally with this team, but the Utah Jazz, they have been, for me, the most disappointing team to start this year in the NBA. So I'll... I'll- give you a couple things here. So we talked about the nuggets were number two in the league with getting three and a half extra shots per game than their opponents. Right? So the jazz, their opponents are getting 4.6 more shots per game than they are. So that's like one of the biggest things. And that is just ridiculous. They have maybe the most widely decent defensive presence in the middle of their lineup with Gobert, how are they giving up six more shots than their opponent? Well, what it, what's happening is, well, 4.6, so about five shots. Uh, and it's what's happening is they're 25th in the league in turnovers, which you would think Conley would have helped them with, but he's not. Then they're forcing opponents. Their opponents are only turning the ball over 13 times. They're turning it over 16 times. So that's like three three possessions or three shots right there. Then you have offensive rebounds. They're 29th in the league in getting offensive rebounds, but they're giving uh, up 9.5 versus like the eight they're getting. So it's like right there, that's like the five shots a game um, that they're giving up. It's just, it's really hard to put yourself in that type of a hole, especially if you're going to have a below average uh, field goal percentage. So their effective field goal percentage is 18th in the league. So if you're dead last in the league as far as your opponents getting more shots than you are and you're a below-average um, efficiency <laughs> with shooting from the field, um, I mean, you're fighting an uphill battle. They're lucky they're over 500. I, Utah is one of those teams that needs to make a midseason acquisition. I think they're going to have to go hard. I mean, it, what do they do? Seems like, it seems like they're relying on Jeff Green to really produce is Jeff Green is about seven years past his prime. I mean, who are we kidding? He should be on the couch watching the games right now. He is, <laughs> he is not that X factor that Utah needs. And I'd love to see who they could go after in the trade market. Just oh, to really I'd love me some up. Jeff I love me some Jeff Green, but I'm with you. He's thirty three now, so hopefully he's getting spot minutes off the bench. Um but you know that's that's a Brian Jansen's old teammate from uh, Georgetown. <laughs> According to Brian, that's the last guy you don't even try and block him when he's coming down the lane. He's like, you're just gonna get hurt. You're gonna get dunked on, and you're gonna get hurt. But anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know what they do though. Who do they who do they go get? Who do they trade? Uh, they brought in a point guard, so Conley's got money on his deal left. He's gonna be. I don't see them moving him. Uh, they really need him to play better. Uh, 
Mitchell's not going anywhere. Bogdanovich isn't going anywhere. They just paid him a ton of money. Go Bears there. I mean, they could go find like a power forward. Royce O'Neal's been nice for and them. That's, and that's exactly who they need. Is they need that power forward. You know, an interesting move is you got to look at some of the teams that are tanking. And we'll be talking about one of my other teams, those Detroit Pistons. And that would be, that could be a very interesting move is uh, maybe going after a guy like Blake Griffin. I know the contract might be there. It could be a Markeith Morris. Is I would love for Utah to target one of these teams. That hey, they realize that um, they're not going to be a lottery pick team this year. Is you can't be stuck in the middle. Is either you're a contender or you're going to be a rebuilder. I hate to see Utah as right now the number six seed in the Western Conference. If you are if you are a five seed or worse in the Western Conference, you can kiss your finals hopes goodbye. Yeah. No, they they're definitely need to do something to hold on uh, to the season. But the biggest thing is if they could just fix that, uh, giving up four and a half more shots a game than another team, if they could fix that alone, they could shove themselves right back up uh, into contention. Because really, if you compare them to the Nuggets, they're scored about five less – their differentials five points worse per game. Well, their spread between the shot, extra shots, it's like eight, eight shots a game. If you look at the Nuggets get more and the Jazz get less. So it's eight shots for five. So it's really – just that differential does killing them. Their defense is good. They're top five in the percentage they're giving up. Uh, they're under 50% effective field goal percentage. So that's good. Uh, they're, they're okay in most, most areas across the board. They're just getting killed on the rebounding, the offensive rebounding and the turnovers. And you just can't. And you gotta hit the glass. Yeah. You gotta hit the glass, Josh. You, Utah is not going to be turning around their season if they're not hitting the glass. And I'm on a, right now, a sell low on this team is I have not been impressed with what I see. Is They have been a dominant presence. They have what I consider the most underrated coach in the NBA with Quinn Snyder. He is a master. And his forte coming into the NBA was defense, and this is not a defensive-oriented team if they can't hit the glass. Yeah, I can't. I really can't see Utah moving up to a to a three or four seed in the Western Conference if they're not going to make any key midseason acquisitions, especially at the power forward. Yeah, they should. They should call up the New York Knicks. I hear they have a bunch of power forwards. Don't even get me started with the Knicks. We'll, 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 well save I guess them we'll be talking about them later. <laughs> oh, man. They, 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 when they we talk about most disappointing teams this year, it might be Utah 1A and those New York Knicks 1B. Yeah, they're holding you down in the standings. I got to say, this, this these Knicks have been in turmoil. I, I really feel sorry for those fans that have had to suffer for more than a decade with James Dolan. I don't know what this guy is doing. He needs to sell the team. Is David Fisdale getting fired? Is what are they doing? They don't know 
at the top of their organization is they need the change there. Is Stevie Mills the president? Is he is a cancer to this team? And you got to feel for guys like R.J. Barrett getting drafted third overall, being excited to play the Knicks. Where does this excitement come from? Is has R.J. Barrett? Did you watch the Knicks over the last fifteen years? This is a team that has the biggest cancer in the organization with their owner, Dan Stolen. Well, in all fairness for Barrett, it's kind of a, a no-lose proposition, right? So he's going to come in, be one of the most popular rookies because he's in this giant market. Nobody's going to blame him if they lose because they've been terrible for so long. It can't be his fault. He just got there. So he's going to get none of the blame. Uh, he's going to get as many shots as he wants. He gets the running. He's going to get endorsement deals. Like, I get it. Like, there's not a lot of downside there. And then he can just pull Przingis and push himself to a better team once once he gets a little bit better, more experienced in the league. But does anyone even know the type of year that R.J. Barrett's having? Is No, nobody wants to watch the Knicks. Barrett has no supporting <laughs> cast. Is, I don't know. i got to say that the Knicks are probably scheduled for Christmas Day, probably one of those early games, and they're going to get embarrassed again on national TV. R.J. Bear won't get the credit that he deserves as one of those impact rookies is he has no supporting cast. He's playing 32 minutes a game. I would have thought that playing that many minutes, he, his steps would be a little bit better. Um, but I think he's young. He's hungry. He just has, He just needs, I would say, one or two superstars around him. Yeah. And I believe there was like a seven-foot-three guy that could shoot really well and – block shots and was really skilled. If they just had a guy like that in New York somehow that they could hold on to, that would be perfect. And they gave him to Dallas. And they gave him to Dallas. You know those uh, late first round picks are going to do a whole lot of good picking in the 22nd, 23rd, 24th. Uh, (laughs) Now that Dallas is as good as they are. So that trade's not looking so hot. But anything else on the Jazz? Oh, I just got carried away. I'm just getting set up by these Knicks. Well, we'll just transition. We'll go out of order and just skip to the Knicks. But what do you think else on the Knicks? Again, I am am easily distracted. And when I just hear something that gets me steaming, I just go straight to it. Going back to the Jazz, on on paper, they have a good roster. Uh, No, and if you've been following those Jazz like I have for the last three, four years, they have a strong home presence. They have a very good coach, and they have up-and-coming talent. Going into this year, they needed another scorer besides Donovan Mitchell, and Mike Conley was supposed to be the answer. And frankly, he hasn't been. And that's a, I think that's what's really been, been hurting the Jazz is uh, that second scorer on their team. Bogdanovich can only carry so much, but I consider him a third or fourth scorer on a team like that, kind of like a Della Shrimp was for our uh, Seattle Supersonics. Is that's Bogdanovich's role? He shouldn't be asked to be the number two guy, and right now he is. So Mike Conley, I gotta say, that second half has got to be has got to be an all-star second half. You're not even. Sniffing an all-star roster 
like you should be. You're one of the most talented point guards in the NBA. Get it together. So is it just that Mike Conley's not playing well or him and Mitchell just not a good fit with two ball-dominant guards that want to have the ball in their hands pretty much the whole time in the backcourt? You know what? One one stat that has gone down, Mike Conley's assist numbers, is Mike, yeah. Mike Conley's not a selfish player. He doesn't have to have the rock. Um, he's only getting you know, four and a half assists a game right now, which is number one on their team, know, I think. They've played a quarter of the season together, and you know it takes time for for certain players to gel. But I don't think that's the root cause of the Jazz's problem this year. It's got to be that defensive rebounding, and I don't think they have a true answer at at power forward this year. Is again Jeff Green? No disrespect, but Jeff Green is not an answer for a, a championship contending team like the Utah Jazz. Yeah, no, you, you want him in spot minutes off the bench for specific roles at this point. He's 33 now. He's not quite what he was a few years ago. Um, but if he's starting for you or kind of your first forward off the bench. Absolutely. Could be rough. All right. Uh, then we then we got your Detroit Pistons. Oh, gotta say, Detroit. Uh, have you gotten an Andre Drummond jersey yet, Josh? I heard he's going to Charlotte next year. I don't have know. you seen Andre Drummond's performance? He's playing great. Yeah, he is on pace to to eclipse Dennis Rodman's rebounding accolades. I would say is he is doing just fine. And I, I like to coin that just fine is he is that player on Detroit that you do not have to worry about. Well, it's but kind you know of nice when your center about? is averaging 17 and 17, right? Like, And uh, you know what? He His defense is blocks. He he is really their core player on their roster. He, he's just under two steals a game, right at two blocks a game with three assists. I mean, that's a that's a pretty healthy. Now, granted, he's had a lot of heavy lifting with Griffin and uh, Jackson out most of the year so far. But uh, well, Griffin maybe about half. But yeah. But you know, when somebody's out like that, the, the the ten games he's been there, Griffin hasn't been Griffin yet. So he should get a little bit better as he gets a little healthier. I'm going to say Detroit, yeah, Andre Drummond is, yeah, he is your franchise player. Is You you may not find a, a better playing center in the league. Oh, all around, rebounding, scoring. I've even seen him pull up from behind the arc. Is uh, He he can do it all. He's having you might a have great seen him pull year. Up. I don't think it would end because I don't think he's made a three this year. But, <laughs> but you got to commend him. You got to commend him on really trying to improve in every part of his game. I gotta say that. Well, he's only 26. Like, I... He is. I was kind of thinking he was older than that. Very true. And there's gonna be a lot of teams calling the Detroit Pistons about acquiring Andre Drummond, and they are gonna have to give a King Branson a favor and want to sniff Drummond coming over to their way. You know, I'm kind of disappointed that they haven't been a little healthier 
in Detroit because you got Kennard is having a pretty good year. You got Rose, who's playing pretty well. But then with uh, Jackson and Griffin missing so much time, they just don't have they just don't have enough guys that can score and perform. And because as great as Drummond's playing for Drummond, he I mean he's not going to carry your offense. You know what I mean? Like, and that's, some... that's where we go to, Josh. It's like, what is Drummond's supporting cast? Is who is Blake Griffin? Is Griffin? Yes. He can has the wow factor, winning dunks, jumping over cars. But at the end of the day, it's Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin is, yes, he's great on paper, but you guys think, is, is he really the kind of player that's going to take your organization to the next level? And I'm going to say no. Is, is Blake Griffin is nice on paper, but he's not going to be taking your team to the next level. And I think that's where Detroit really has to think about how they structure their roster moving forward is they have been a disappointment, but they've had the same problem for years is they do not have any guard play is they Acquired Derrick Rose this offseason, and yes, Derrick Rose, this is a great comeback story. But it's Derrick Rose. This is not MVP Derrick Rose. Is where you will find Derrick Rose. Very true. But right now, Detroit is asking him to be MVP Derrick Rose, which his legs just don't have it anymore. And well, I mean, they're 26 in the league in turnovers, so they're they're shooting well. They just don't have that guard play to make sure that they take care of the ball. They don't have the guard play, and that's it. It's Derrick Rose. Yes, he could be your sixth man of the year candidate, but the way Detroit is utilizing him, uh, that's not going. They're not going to be going anywhere. They're going to be they're going to be hoping for one of those ping pong balls to land their way for a top three pick. So I'll run through some of their numbers real quick. Right now they're 9-14 and 14 on the year, and they actually have a positive differential, so they've outscored their opponents by 0.3 points per game. Uh, they're 30th in the number of shots that they take each game um, with 95 a game. Their opponents are taking 90, well, 96 a game, and their opponents are taking 98 a game. So their opponents are shooting twice more per game every single game than they are. Their effective field goal percentage is 55%, which is actually fourth in the league. So that was a little surprising to me, but they're not getting to the free throw line and they're turning the ball over so much. So that kind of pulls pulls all their offensive numbers down as opposed to just looking at the free throw percentage. Can we um, talk about their pace of play? So slow. And this is and this is where the NBA, this is the, the NBA today, the pace of play is higher. It's, teams are going to be shooting the ball and a team with no guards you're not going to be successful in this league is Detroit I feel that they are a two-point shooting team in a three-point shooting era is their pace of play is really one of those I like to say x factors is that when they're turning the ball over and that lack of guard play is their bottom of the league of giving up assists to their opponents is that is holding them down. 
And in what is considered a weak Western Conference, is Detroit is one of those teams that over the years, they've been stuck in this gear, is they should be contending for a playoff spot year in and year out, and they're really putting Andre Drummond's prime years to waste. I just love how this conversation has been like Andre Jarman's supporting cast of like Blake Griffin and Rich Jackson and all these guys would like, uh, yeah, normally that would have been switched around a little bit. Uh, I've been impressed with Drummond this year, but the, the unfortunate part is he's getting 17 rebounds a game and it tells you kind of what their front line's like because they're not really like a good rebounding team. And if you got a guy in the middle grabbing 17 boards a game and you're not a good rebounding team, there's a problem. That's true. And I can only imagine if Drummond misses any time, where is this team going? This team is is dropping faster than the Titanic. It's down to the Eastern Conference basement. They are they are being held afloat only by Drummond's just monster year. And uh, it's just sad to see. I really hope that they can do that. They can uh, make some moves in a draft, or maybe make a key trade to where they can bring in a stable point guard moving forward. Well, that's a that's the biggest thing. When I look at it, if Reggie Jackson was healthy and playing well for him, him Rose and uh, Kennard makes a nice little trio guard play on the perimeter. Um, you have two of those guys on the floor pretty much at all times, and you I mean that's going to kind of keep you keep you going, take care of the ball a little bit better. But without without Reggie Jackson, the other two is just they're outmatched. Yeah, and that was a key injury. Is I mean Reggie Jackson's only played two games. Hopefully he can be back in the next couple of weeks. His back's been lingering, but. Um, even with that, that might settle Derrick Rose's roll down as to what Detroit's expecting out of him. But Detroit has really got to do something. Think about what they what their roster building strategy is going to be moving forward. Yeah, they they don't have a lot of options. I mean, really, uh, Jackson hasn't been overly healthy. Period for him over the last few years. I think last year he played most of the year, but he just had nagging injuries all year and just didn't play all that well. Um, and he's one of those, like, uh, well, I remember when he was with OKC, I was like, oh, perfect. It's like less Westbrook light to come off the bench as a six man. And then it's like, I want to be a starter. <laughs> they found somebody who was willing to make him a starter, but uh, they really need an upgrade of that point guard position because I don't think they can count on him being healthy, but I don't know where they're going to get that upgrade or what they're going to send out to make that happen. Uh, they're pretty. They're pretty locked up, especially if they want to re-sign Drummond next year with Griffin's contract. Unless they, if they lose Drummond, I mean they're just in trouble. Uh, but if they keep Drummond, they have no money. They're they're. If they lose Drummond, they're uh, they're really going to be turning into a to an organization like those Charlotte Hornets. Is no key player on their team. It's really seeing. Seeing a light at the end of the tunnel is going to be more of a uh, three or four year window. After that, is they they can make an impact sooner than that if they just can build around Drummond. Well, those are those happen. are really some of my favorite teams to watch. Those the ones that are really just like the Nets were and the Charlotte Hornets are now, and you see these guys come out of nowhere and make careers for themselves with that opportunity. 
Uh, you got like Graham doing that right now with the Hornets. Um, and you had a few different people, Laver and you mean people like this uh, doing that with the Nets, where they just had that extra opportunity. Din Dinwiddie coming in and making a big name for himself, and he's doing really well there. Um, and I, I think that's kind of unfortunately, if the Pistons actually want to be very competitive, that's probably what they have to try and figure out how to do. They need to get rid of Griffin or whatever, and try and get rid of all the big names and start over and give people opportunity. People talk about the tanking stuff a lot as far as like getting the draft pick. And that's part of it. The other part of it is so you can open up your entire roster so you can audition guys and develop guys. Um, it's great to have these lottery picks on your roster, but if you don't give them the shots and the minutes to develop the, they're not going to get that much better. So uh, you also can run through G League guys and everything like that, try to find, can we find a few other role players? Um, so part of it's, yeah, to, to take the, the high draft pick. And part, part of it's just to find some other guys so you can put a team back together. Exactly. Is, is, is Detroit is, I mean, such a hardworking city that those Pistons are in. Those fans deserve better. Is they really have seen mediocrity over probably what I would consider the last two decades. It's just they team. There's no. There's no. There's no optimistic ending for that team. Is they really need to restructure their roster. Anything else on the Pistons? My blood pressure is getting too high just talking about them. I'm ready to move on. <clears throat> well, the, those were your two big uh, trade, right? The Jazz and the Pistons for the Pelicans and the, the Mavericks, the draft. That was a good there. trade. And, to, you know, I'm really curious to see how this trade with uh, Johnson uh, really works out. It, it's really giving up a team like Dallas and New Orleans is – a lot of people would have said that Johnson would have won that trade when it was made at the beginning of the season. But looking at where New Orleans is in the standings, is they, I mean, they could have seven people out there on the court and their defense wouldn't be any better. Is Dallas, they've been a surprise, and I love Luka Doncic. Dallas, yes, they're 16-6 they're right now at the number two seed. Are you kidding? Um, so Johnson is, but they, I mean, get it. Getting the New Orleans Pelicans is, uh, I gotta say, uh, second best in the Western Conference, second worst in the Western Conference right now with Dallas and New Orleans, res respectively. Um, Detroit, I think they, they with the Reggie Jackson, they could have a little bit be better uh, second half of the year. But as one of my five teams, I'm probably selling Detroit at the, in the first half. All right, and then we got the Orlando Magic, currently 11-11. They're with a point, .4 points uh, that they're outscoring people by each game. They're getting about three extra shots than the other team each game. Uh, they're very bottom of the league, 28th in the league in their effective field goal percentage, uh, but they're 13th in the league in the field goal percentage they're giving up. They're doing really well on the offensive boards. Uh, they're, they're fifth in the number of turnovers that they're for their team and their, uh, so they're doing they're doing well in defensively and controlling the possession. So they're giving themselves a chance. But man, other than Fournier, there's not a. I mean, Vucevic as well, but he's not having a great year really. Uh, there's not a lot of offense here. 
I gotta say is Orlando is one of those enigma tunes is a couple of years ago I thought it was one of the biggest mistakes when they traded Oladipo to Indiana is would they ever find their next Oladipo? And Orlando took a gamble late last year is acquiring Markel Fultz. And Markel Fultz very well could be that next Oladipo for Orlando. Orlando's defense has been impressive. Is Yes, they don't have that key score on their team. It's kind of, it could be Fournier one, uh, one night. Uh, Aaron Gordon Aaron Gordon really lit up Phoenix last week, uh, putting up 32, 5 and 5. Is Aaron Gordon does have that capability, but it's not consistent. Well, the, 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 he's averaging 14 points a game on the year right now. So I'm, I'm with you. Like, that's been the, what they need. They need him to step up and be like a 20 point game guy to help carry this team and be one of the focal points. But 14 points a game ain't going to get it done. And. I would say I would consider Orlando to be one of the more balanced teams in the NBA is that they almost have seven players averaging double digits in points. So you're not going to find it is yes. Fournier is, is, is their leader and he has, he has really been progressing more rapidly than I thought he would, but he's close to 20 points a game, but as their leader is, is you're not going to have that key score on the team. I, I really consider uh, Orlando, a team is you really never know what you're going to get from who each night is. Is any of their top seven could be their leading scorer that night? Um, I, I'm I'm still a Markel Fultz believer. I think he's gradually taken steps. He did have some injury injuries uh, that have been nagging the start of his career, uh, stemming from. University of Washington, but I think uh, he was the number one pick in the draft for a reason. And I think that Orlando may have gotten a steal from Philadelphia and acquiring Marco Fultz. I think that was a really smart move. I mean, there's not a lot of downside there for them. And Fultz definitely has the ability um, to potentially really break out and be a huge, huge contributor. Uh, And they they didn't give up much for Marco Fultz. It's, It's really... Is no. they bought no. low? Mark well, they gave up Holt. like Simons and like a first round pick or something like this. Yeah, I wouldn't say that much, but Marco Fultz, with the ceiling that he has in this game, is he's going to cuff him. He's getting healthier each day. Is his second half? Is it that one? Uh, that one and Michael Porter. Those two. Those two players. I'm, I'm most excited about as we move towards as we move towards the off-day break. Yeah. One of the nice things when I look at the, the Magic is you look up and down, you don't see very many teams that are – they're number two in the league and only giving up nine offensive rebounds to their opponents. They're number three in the league and giving up less than 15 made free throws a game. They're sixth in the league in opponents' second chance points, and they're fifth in the league in opponents' fast break points. So they're just making people go against a half-court set defense and not fouling. Uh, and then and the interesting part is they're only like 13th in the league uh, in the, actually the percentage um, 
I mean, 13th is pretty good. I mean, it's above average. 15th would be average, right? But it's about average uh, as far as the opponent's efficiency. But they're just not letting him get to the free throw line. They're not giving up the extra chances. You I mean, they're just making him go against a half-court uh, half defense, which is awesome. But we got to get that offense rolling. I mean, we're, we're what, eight days? It is December 7th right now. We're recording this. Uh, really, I think one game's gone on today. All of our numbers and stats are as of the night of the 6th after all the number after all the games were played. Uh, but there's not a lot of options here offensively unless they make a move. And so we're about eight days away from trade season opening up are you buying the DeRozan to the magic talk what I think about is yeah DeMar DeRozan yes he is a scorer but I don't know if if that is what Orlando needs is they surprised the NBA last year winning 42 games that was 17 games better than the previous season is I think this is this roster has chemistry together. And I think their mind is um, having such a, having such a deep roster where anybody can score. I think that's going to make it really tough for teams to defend. Like, yeah. They're not going to be putting up the normal points per night. Like we're seeing from teams like the Houston Rockets and the, Los Angeles Lakers is really Orlando has its identity and it's a defense. Is there really a deep team? I think, I think they can make a few minor moves to help strengthen their roster, but I don't think they need to make a big splash and get a, a score like DeMar DeRozan. I, I'm pretty sure the Spurs would be willing to give him up if they sent anything of value back. No. Well, <laughs> but that should tell you all I you need to know, right? Spurs, that's 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 for another day. <laughs> I'm just happy I didn't draft them in the first half of the year. Is it's really going to be sad to see Greg Popovich's playoff run come to an end? What a what a streak that was, but. Um, the Spurs are kind of the next level, and you know it's unfortunate that they had to give up Kawhi Leonard. Um, otherwise, that that streak would would still be alive. But uh, Demar Derozan is yes, he is a very good complimentary player. He's not going to be your one. Is is he will succeed the best as a two or three option on a team, just like he was in Toronto, and he's somewhat like that in San Antonio when LaMarcus Eldridge is healthy. All right. Anything else on the magic? I want to see them. I, I really look, looking at, looking at the Eastern conference standings is Orlando currently sitting at the eight seed is, yes, you do not want to be facing Milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs. It is Orlando fans deserve at least one win in the playoffs. That's not going to happen. Facing <laughs> Milwaukee is, I really feel that Orlando could jump up to the number six seed by the end of the year. I can't see him passing Philadelphia, Toronto, Miami, Boston, or Milwaukee. Is but the, they are just sitting right behind the Pacers and, and Brooklyn. Is Orlando is fully capable of jumping up to that six seed, and I expect them to. Is, is they 
they are a more cohesive team than Indiana and Brooklyn this year. And I think Markel Fultz just getting getting his feet on the ground and getting reps in with that team is only going to make them further. I'm expecting Orlando. I think they can be their win-loss differential moving forward in the second half. I think they can get up to 50 wins this year. All right. And then we got your New York Knicks. New oh, York boy. Knicks. Four and eighteen. They're getting outscored by eleven points a game, last in the league. Somehow they're still getting two more shots than the other team. So that means that even though they're getting two more shots than the other team, the other team's still scoring eleven more points. Uh they're last in the league uh at forty eight percent effective field goal percentage. And they're twenty sixth in the league, giving up fifty five percent on the other end. Uh, they're 20th in the league in the free throws they get. And they're 22nd in the league in the free throws they're giving up. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of bright spots. They are offensive rebounding, and that's uh, where those two extra shots are coming from. They essentially get 12 offensive rebounds a game. Their opponents get 10. Uh, turnovers are pretty dead even. But it's really – they just can't score. They don't stop anybody. So that's kind of a bad combination if you want to play winning basketball, Derek. It's really chaotic, Josh. I mean, this roster, I mean, who are we kidding? This is a clown show. And this stems from the top with ownership. Is really, the Knicks know there is no vision. Is a player like Julius Randle, yes, he is having a great year. But who is he kidding? Is, is Can these Knicks see a long-term future being on that organization? And the answer is no. Is is Management ownership has no idea what they do, and, and the rate of turnover that they have in in their management, switching coaches, switching GMs, is how can you really be confident in having a future with the New York Knicks if you're on that team? Yeah, it's it's tough because to me, you you really want to start at your point guard and center positions uh, if you're really try to build a team or improve it. The way I look at free agency is occasionally you hit a home run where you're able to bring in some superstars. Okay, one one team a year might be able to do something like this. That means the vast majority of the time for everybody else, free agency is really about plugging holes um, and about bringing competency to certain positions. And point guard and center are the two, if you want to actually play better basketball, the I don't get me wrong. Now, if they would have gone into this year and just been like, we're going to suck this year. We missed our big fish. We're going to keep the powder dry. We're going to be terrible. We're going to sign some guys like Julius Randle. Perfect. Yeah, go sign him. I think that makes a lot of sense. He's young enough. He's got talent. He's a good player. But then you get all these veteran guys that kind of want the ball in spots that get in Randle's way. And you go fill the roster up with them, and are like, okay, we're going to be competitive now. We got Marcus Morris to be our le- like our leading scorer, huh? What? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Marcus Morris isn't a bad player, but this guy's like a number four starter on a good team. So if you're if he's going to be your number one guy, how are we thinking we're going to be good? Especially if we look at our point guard position, and we got Alfred Payton, and uh, I I like Frank. I think he's a very good defender. But he's not helping your offense at all. I mean, he's maybe playing him at off guard next to, um, or long term, he actually might be a really nice um, backcourt mate with RJ Barrett. But 
if you wanted to win this year, they needed to bring in a veteran presence at point guard and center, uh, kind of like the Phoenix Suns did with Baines and Rubio. You have guys like that that you bring in and stabilize a team. Okay, maybe they can be much more competitive, get closer to 500. But that's not what they did. It's like they thought that you just add up everybody's NBA 2K ratings and whatever the ratings of the top 10 guys are, that determines your record. And that's not exactly how it works. I mean, it all, it again, is, is just what was all the free agent talk coming into this summer? Is the Knicks, Knicks are going to be targeting two Supermax players. They're going to be getting Kevin Durant. They're going to be getting Kyrie Irving. They're going to be have a high lottery pick. They're going to be making the playoffs this year. That was the New York Knicks outlook going into this season. And think about it, outlook isn't always reality. Is There's a reason why Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving didn't sign with the New York Knicks. And it's their ownership, and that's going to be the cancer for them moving forward, is they're not going to land a big market free agent until James Dolan sells the team. Would, who would you consider the biggest free agent signing they've had over the last decade? And we're talking about the biggest, probably the biggest market in the NBA. It's New York City. It, it'd and I probably have to be Amari, but his I would, way I was about four say months Amari in. Amari Stoudemire as their biggest free agent acquisition. Yeah. Okay. That is telling you something. <laughs> you know, I yeah. really – they had something going with D'Antoni before they traded for Melo. They had Gallinari and Ty Lawson, and they had all these guys that were playing so well, David Lee, and they were playing pretty well. And that's why they were able to get that trade done for Carmelo is because all these guys look fantastic. And D'Antoni's system, it was flowing, yeah. and it was working, and it was – and if they would have just left him alone – and not went and gutted his team, which he didn't want him to do, to go get a ball stopper. Man, like they, and they let's could... talk about and let's and let's talk about Mike Mike D'Antonio. Such a great offensive mind. Yes, he can he can create that illusion that the Knicks, he did create that illusion that the Knicks were a contender, uh, producing more offense while he was in New York, but. In reality, is this is just a clown show in New York, and nothing is going to get turned around. And I really feel sorry for RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett's going to be struggling for the next three years. I can't see this organization turning anything around. Yeah, no, not really. They got some nice pieces. Mitchell Robinson, uh, I think, has some potential. He's going to take a little bit. He's a little too jumpy. He's done a little bit better this year, uh, but goes for too many shot blocks. Uh, so he's just out of position. Uh, so he's not really helping them have a good defense. But I thought him and Randall could be a nice little combo at the power forward center position. Uh, Nilakina and Barrett at the backcourt positions leaves you wanting a little bit for some ball handling and playmaking. Uh, although Barrett's been a better passer than I realized. And I think that's really promising for his future. Uh, but that's kind of what I mean. It's like I, 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 there's a handful of guys that I don't mind, but what's all this other clutter that they brought in? I mean, the only, the only saving 
grace will be is if from the deadline they are able to ship out two or three of these veterans and get some assets to kind of add to the war chest moving forward. But that's not the way they're thinking, I don't think. And the Knicks, I mean, knowing that, hey, the star free agents are not going to want to sign in New York. So the other way to do this, just like star free agents are going to want to sign with our Seattle Mariners, is the way that you rebuild your team is by striking in the draft. And over the years, the Knicks have been spurned by not landing the top lottery pick. Is it's think about this, Josh. Since 2015 season, the Knicks haven't won more than 32 games in the year. And what have they shown for it in the draft? Is R.J. Barrett is really could be he could be a success in New York, but knowing that you've had that many shots, that many high draft picks you don't have anything to show it. You had you had a glimmer of it with Kristaps Porzingis, and you traded him away. And now look at what he's doing in Dallas. Yeah. This is yeah. just a dysfunctional organization that is hoping that they strike big with a top draft pick. They, they should have Mitchell Robinson, Porzingis, and Randall right now as those three eating up all their power forward and center minutes. That I would be excited about as a core to my team to build around, and they got Barrett on the perimeter. Like then it's like, okay, well we might not be that good yet, but at least we got something. We got something in the works here. And I, I don't think Przingis was going to take a qualifying offer. I mean, I think that's one of the stupidest things is to let somebody coming off their rookie contract, where they're going to be a restricted free agent, um, push their way out. It's just silly. Yeah. Anything else uh, on the on the New York Knicks? I'm a definite seller. The Knicks won 17 games last year. They have four wins this year. <laughs> I see them. They've been on a constant decline, losing <laughs> or winning less games over the last every every year in the last five seasons. They're going to be winning less than six, 17 games this year. I'm a seller. I I just hope that uh, ownership does change because it's really sad to see in such a large market like New York that they have had the most dysfunctional sports franchise out of any of our major sports over really the last two decades. This is just, it's comical. Yeah, they beat out the Mariners for that title. I would say because Seattle's not as big of a market and they haven't had a spotlight. Um, I think a a lot of the dysfunction in New York has really been highlighted by by our media and, and I don't think they've been able to do that just right with the Seattle Mariners. All right. Well, hey, uh, I'm trying to think. No, I, I don't think I got much else much else on, on the Knicks, Derek. Uh, it'll be interesting. We'll have to have a conversation another time, maybe get a couple of guys. I'm looking at this, and all the talks always the, the West, the West, the West, but I'm looking at the top five in the West and I'm looking at the top five in the East, and I don't know that there's a huge qualitative difference between the two. Thanks for listening to Attack the Rack. Make sure you subscribe, rate five stars. It really, really helps. We appreciate it. Sorry for my voice this week. Been sick all week. Also, why the episode's a little bit later in the week. Hope to get back to middle of the week starting next week. 
On the next episode, Derek and I pick up our conversation with the contenders in the East and the West, give our picks for the finals, as well as MVP, talking about a little bit about Luca. Make sure to listen, subscribe, five stars, talk soon.